ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. Portions of this episode have been redacted for the safety of the interviewee and the people that she loves in a closed country. So we're going to skip some of the intro and just jump right into her sharing about the time that God had her to spend with her family in a closed country serving Christ. As we were getting towards graduation, we were really praying that the Lord would just align our hearts and what we're going to do after that to something um, worthwhile for him and for his cause. And so, um, yeah, as we were praying, someone called a mutual friend called and just asked if we would be willing to go to China for two years. And we thought, wow, what an answer to prayer. This is amazing. Um, He loves working with kids and teens and I love international people. And so um, we were able to do that. So we graduated in May, got married in June, and then left the next month to go to China. So they they called us and said, we'll provide housing. And we thought, oh, a newly married couple. That sounds great. <laughs> sure, we'll take it. it doesn't matter where it is. We'll take it. <laughs> right. Free housing. Perfect. So yeah, we headed over there. We actually had no idea what it was going to be like because it was kind of such a fast transition. And, um, you know, being young, we just were really up for the adventure. And yeah. so we thought, okay, are we going to be living in a village and everyone's going to be in this one um, sharing a bathroom or, you know, what is Mm -hmm. it going to be like? How rural is it going to be? Because all we knew was mostly what everyone knows about China, you know, just not a lot, right? (laughs) So um, we didn't know a lot, but when we went over there, we were definitely pleasantly surprised. We didn't know it was a tourist city, but um, it was just a very small city, but a lot of people in China like to go there because there's beautiful mountains, beautiful scenery. So Um, after years and also no pollution. So that was amazing. (laughs) Um, So we went through um, marriage shock at the same time as culture shock. And even though that first year was really hard and difficult, we both knew pretty soon into it that we were going to stay there a long time. The Lord was Mm -hmm. just putting that on our heart to um, not leave even after two years. We didn't know how long that was, but we were just open to that. And so, um, yeah, after a couple of years, the man that had started the school I don't know if I mentioned that, but, um, we were going to work at a school. So yeah, we, um, he wanted to retire. And so he asked my husband if he would take over the leadership, the, um, of everything there. And Mm -hmm. he said, yes, of course, like we had poured our hearts into these kids and we just loved them so much and their families. And we were just growing a lot of relationship with them. And so we were excited to continue the work that was already started. And so, um, I was a first grade teacher and my husband taught a bunch of things and then became the administrator and principal of the school. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we came back to the States after, um, five years to have my first son and he's three years old. And then I had another one who <laughs> I had him in China because of COVID. So um, we couldn't leave China or else we wouldn't be able to come back in. So we had him in China. Um, so he's a year and a half, a little over a year and a half. They definitely keep me busy, my two little boys. <laughs> but um, after um, we were there for seven and a half years, um, just recently, some officers came to our house. We were planning on going to um, did take the boys to Disney for Christmas. And, um, yeah, some officers showed up at our door at 7am 
and they had a warrant to search our house. And so after searching and finding incriminating evidence, they, um, and after long interrogations, they asked us to leave within two weeks. So we just wrapped up some loose ends and said a lot of goodbyes and packed our few suitcases and just boarded our flights to America. Yeah. So it was like, we're definitely still grieving China and, um, yeah, yeah, our home, our relationships, everyone that we really, um, just loved so much and so dearly there. Um, but we definitely have a hope because it's, it's just something that God gives us, right. Is that hope, no matter what happens Mm -hmm. that he, his way is better than ours. So we have this really exciting hope inside of us that, Lord, you know exactly what's going on. You're sovereign. Your ways are just so great. And so um, I have no idea what he has for our future. We have ideas, of course, but yeah, that's where we're at now. Just still working on transitioning back to America after seven years there. And um, yeah. It's amazing too, hearing you share that, how God just knits your heart Mm. to a place. You know, we are headed to Australia and I've had some people ask me, like, it's almost kind of like... I'm settling for somewhere else because that's where God's led me to. But my heart is really here. Mm. And I know there's a transition process. But it's interesting to hear somebody like you who has made a cultural shift and then fallen so in love with where you were that you were just happy to stay there as long as God lets you stay. Like you guys, I mean, you were fully immersed in Chinese culture and I'd see you post the food. I mean, your life was there. Mm And it's just interesting how God can can just transition your heart and make home really wherever he's called you to be. Yeah, definitely. It's it's like that we really loved China, but now that he's moved us on for now, we're, um, we can just look forward to the future and what he has for us in every opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the key really is just when we find our joy in him and where he's called us, mm-hmm. then... Every, like all the other details kind of fall in line with that. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, neat. Well, do you want to share a little bit? China is very different from America. <laughs> so you touched on culture shock. I know you guys had probably a big adjustment there and back and then just serving the Lord in a different place. I mean, anywhere in the world is a different place, a different culture, um, something to get adjusted to. Would you like to share some of kind of like what that looked like for you guys? Yeah, I'm really grateful to have had my husband because someone to walk through um, the culture with. Um, it really interesting culture because it's so different than what I grew up with in America. Um, I really appreciated that everyone goes out walking all the time. So we were just outside making lots of friends, which is, of course, you know, I didn't, I was a stay at home mom the past few years. And mm-hmm. so that was my way to be a light, you know, just meeting lots of people out walking um, and yeah, there's um, really good food. The The food is a lot different than what Americans think Chinese food is. <laughs> um, it's a lot of uh, vegetables and fresh meats and things like that um, compared to the probably unhealthy versions of <laughs> American Chinese Highly processed. <laughs> and I hate to break it to everyone, but there's no such thing as a fortune cookie in China. So I don't know where we got that, but <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of things like that. Um, but yeah, I loved the food and we shared that with the kids and they loved eating noodles all the time. And in our area, there was rice noodles that were really popular, um, which were different than like spaghetti flour noodles or things like that. So yes. we really um, got used to the culture there. And um, one of the things that is was really great was that relationships are everything. So they just um, 
everything is working on your relationships with your family or your people. And so you could see that. And so that helped when we're trying to build relationships to share things. Um, And I could share a little bit about um, Christianity in China because it revolves around um, some relationships. But um, yeah, if you just walk up to someone, I would say maybe a lot of people are atheists right now in China. Um, Part of that is if you join, uh, if you get a job, a lot of times that'll be a requirement is to be an atheist. And, um, but you'll see a lot of other religions too, Buddhism, Confucianism, Taoism, and just the normal ancestry worship that a lot of people do. And you'll see in their holidays and things like that. Um, but yeah, we would just work on telling people the gospel and we would share with them. And a lot of times they had never heard of who Jesus was ever. And so they would say things like, Oh, that's a really nice story or like a fairy tale. Even they would use those words. And, um, so, in our experience, we saw that they seemed to take a lot longer to um, not just add it to their list, and they didn't see Jesus right away as the one true way. And that's not everyone, but mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely saw that a lot, like just add it to a list. And so, but when they yeah. did believe, I saw that um, it was really a radical change because it meant a lot more to them because of the relationship um, bind there. Um, so mm-hmm. they have a really good relationship with their parents usually, or at least, um, it's, it's like your family means almost everything. And so I saw some friends and, um, that they were even disowned by their family, by their parents and said, don't ever talk to us again because of becoming a Christian. Um, and so you could see that their lifestyle was like changing a lot when they actually, um, accepted Christ, which is great, but, um, they have to go through things that we couldn't even, I couldn't imagine, um, the things that they would have to go through. And especially culturally, there's things that, um, you know, like I mentioned the ancestry worship. So as a Christian, they had these, um, yeah, they would have to choose when am I going to celebrate this holiday or not? Um, things like that. And so, um, with my, so that rejection, is that more from, just the atheist and that kind of Eastern religion, or does it come from more, you know, one group or the other? Yeah, I would say um, the parents or people that didn't agree with them, it would be because they are probably strong Buddhists. Um, And so that's... So it's probably like a religion slash cultural Mm -hmm. thing, almost accepting Christ kind of defies both of those things. Right, because Christianity doesn't let you do everything, right? It, yeah. it shows you um, the way you should walk. And so, yeah, it goes against what the parents have taught them. So that's, you know, going to be a problem for the families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely an attack on the Chinese church today. And so definitely just pray for them as, um, again, we can't fully understand what it's like. Um, even I couldn't living there, <laughs> what it was exactly like being an American and not having to deal. But um, yeah, even like a church service in America, when I came back, it was almost like culture shock to sit in a service of more than five people, you know, and um, to just have that freedom to walk into a church building and to fellowship without being scared, you know, without any fear that people were going to come and raid your building. And so Mm -hmm. um, they go through so much and some things you could pray for the the Chinese churches for um, the doctrine to for just strong leaders and people to have, um, 
to learn the correct doctrine because a lot of things get just mixed in and things and a lot of new believers all the time. I mean, there's 1.7 billion people. So there's always constantly like new people, but with that comes, you know, a lot of different things coming their way. And, um, also faith to just stand boldly amidst different things that they're going through the different trials that they go through and, um, that they can learn to study the word of God for themselves, I think is really important. The the culture, because it's relational. And um, we have this joke, like if someone is looking at something, just say on the road, there's, you know, maybe let's just say a bug. So one person will look at it and then two people will look at it. And then soon, like very soon, 10 seconds later, there's going to be 20 people looking at it. So you can kind of see if that's a silly analogy, but um it's just kind of a group kind of thing. Yeah. But a lot of times they won't individually seek things. And so it would be, yeah, something great to pray for them to just learn the word of God for themselves. And has the, has the entire Bible been translated into Chinese? It has, right? It has. Yes. Okay. They have the Chinese okay. Union Bible. So that is available. <laughs> Yeah, they do have the word of God available. So big question. Did you, do you and your husband speak Chinese? Yeah. So we went over and they provided some classes for all the teachers after school. So we had about okay. an hour um, every day, you know, depending on if the teacher's available, but usually it'd be Monday through Friday, just one hour. And so we were able to learn a lot and then just living in the culture. So we never had um, formal classes. Like we had some friends that were students there and they would go all day mm -hmm. to study the language, but it wasn't like that, but we definitely learned enough to get around. I remember the first time being able to order something on my phone and different <laughs> things like that, or even have a conversation and people didn't say, oh, you don't speak Chinese. So that made me feel really good that I was able to yes. get around, have conversations. So now we're not even fluent, but I love to see people in America. I could hear, oh, you're speaking Chinese and go and talk to them. Uh -huh. and I think that's always really fun. So do your boys speak it at all? Like, did you speak it in your home when you were over there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did speak it in our home a lot. And towards the end, I actually got um, a local Chinese lady who was helping me in my house. In Chinese, the the phrase, the greeting, you just say, um, maybe you've heard before, ni hao. And so mm -hmm. <laughs> if you um, talk to someone, so you kind of, look at them and you kind of gauge how old they are and who they are. So we just refer to them as grandma, aunt, or sister for girls. And so, okay. um, you can refer to them. If you see a grandma, you just say, nai nai hao, that's a grandma. And then an aunt is ai hao, which is almost everyone because you can always be pretty safe with an aunt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a pretty easy, I mean, Talking about the the language is funny because I really, really love studying it. And um, some people think, oh, Chinese is the hardest language, you know, maybe not in the world, but that's such a hard language. And uh -huh. I really liked it there because it was pretty logical in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like English, now that I've learned Chinese and I've taught English, <laughs> I'm like, wow, poor people that are like trying to learn English because it's a really difficult language <laughs> with all the yes. adjectives and things. But there's not that much of that in Chinese. It's pretty straightforward. The the language, um, the sentence structure is different than English. So that kind of throws me. If I try to like literally translate some sentences, it usually doesn't. Overall, I really loved how you can use things and connect it, just like saying hello, those kind of things. Yes. Mm -hmm. So was part of what you were doing over there teaching English to the Chinese students? Yeah. So um, it, our school was mostly 
Chinese kids. And it it started out an all English school. And towards the end, we became fully licensed and had to change some things where there was more Chinese classes involved. But for the most part, mm -hmm. um, yeah, our kids were so great. They learn so fast, you know, kids are amazing. And so they speak yeah. fluent English. And so, yeah, that was the goal was to teach them um, English, just like, mm -hmm. yeah, any kid could talk to them in English. Yeah. Well, I know being in the missions world, that seems like a huge opportunity. I mean, abroad, but even within the States, really teaching English as a second language has opened up doors for so many people to be able to use that as an outlet to then share the gospel and even use the Bible to teach English. So that's neat. It's neat hearing how different areas in the world where we're going. So Australia speaks English. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, like we don't have to worry about that. It's a very different English, which we quickly realized when we were over there. Um, but being in that greater Sydney area, there's actually so many people from like the Philippines and Japan, mm. even from China, that have immigrated there. So even in that area of the world, they really have a need for people that can teach English because, and they love having international students. So the city that we're going to, um, Greater Sydney University is there. Oh, okay. And so, um, yeah, they're always looking for people to help teach students English. So I don't know. We'll see what God has for our future. Yeah, that would be great. But we might be teaching Chinese students English in Australia. So <laughs> that would be awesome. As you talked about this culture shock, because I'm just sitting here thinking like, it is coming for me. Totally different culture, but it's coming. What do you think one of the hardest adjustments was? Yeah, I would definitely say the language is like the number one hardest adjustment. Yeah. So you've got a little bit of a <laughs> advantage there, advantage but there, yes. there's still so much. Because <laughs> I know, okay, so let me, let me just like explain this question a little bit. So before we kind of were called to missions and launched out into missions, you know, we grew up talking about missionaries in our church and praying for missionaries, but it was a very generic, like, God bless the missionaries, or be with so-and-so who's serving, doing, you know, whatever, whatever it could be, Christians serving abroad. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like a specific. So it's interesting to hear from somebody who's lived abroad, who's went through different cultural changes, to like put some ideas together and be like, oh, wow, like I didn't even think about the struggle. You know, we just get called up in our own culture and our own life and forget that things are very different other places. You know, I'm even thinking like sometimes people ask me like, what are you most nervous about with the move? And I grocery shopping mm -hmm. that first yes. trip to the grocery, like, okay, from how do I drive there? Because they drive on the opposite side of the car and the opposite side of the road to getting there and okay, thank the Lord. It's all in English, but it's a totally different currency, which means pricing. Like I have no idea. I don't have any idea of measurements. Food is different. So it's things like that, that I now have gained exposure to mm -hmm. that now when I know of a family that's moving abroad, I'm like, oh, wow, we need to pray for like this specifically. So maybe, okay. So all that context in the idea of you having adjusted really twice to two big culture shocks. Do you have any of the ways that you would encourage the ladies as they're praying for missionaries themselves or teaching their kids to pray for people serving the Lord around the world? What are some like specific, like, okay, these are real struggles that people might not think about. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so relationships, pray for them to build relationships quickly because 
um, not only for yourself, but those are the people that are going to help you get around town and different yes. things like that. Um, but also eat food, right? Yeah. Show you yeah. where to shop. And, uh, even if you get a close friend, what you're doing wrong in the culture, Yes, <laughs> that was always great to have some of those. Um, but yeah, there is so many things. Um, basically just daily living is such a culture shock. So like you mentioned, going to get food and, um, oh, am I supposed to walk on this side of the street? Where am I supposed to park? Oh, there's no parking. In America, we always parked in the parking lot. Now, where do we park? So just learning things and it's going to take a long time. And I think that's the hardest thing is if allowing yourself um, to learn those things and not um, maybe try to just trying to not get upset when you don't have everything figured out in, within the first month. Um, and I yes. think it's going to be hard um, having kids we went over when we didn't have kids, but I know it will be a, a difference, you know, for your kids and um, adjustment there. I know the hardest part was when I had in the States and then I had to leave. And um, I just saw, you know, his grandparents, my parents or my in-laws yeah. and just like the faces like, oh, we're not going to see you for who knows how long. And, um, yeah. you know, you just know the Lord wants you there. And so everything is so worth it. But there are things that missionaries go through and I could share some even just some unspoken needs of missionaries um, mm -hmm. because we were um, self-supported over there, but we knew a lot of missionaries and um, we lived abroad. So yeah. I feel like we have like a different angle, but still a similar angle to um, yes. needs of missionaries. So um, if I could say anything, it would be that um, missionaries are people just like you and me. I, I felt like there was this kind of <laughs> um, this uh, feeling that, missionaries are held to this higher standard or that there's something so special about them. Like, wow, you are living in another country and you're doing the work for Christ. And um, yes, all these things are true, but everyone, we're all God's children doing what he's called us to yes. do. And um, yes. there's nothing special about a missionary themselves. The special thing is that God mm -hmm. has asked you to go over there. Yeah. No, amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I would say though, there are different things that missionaries go through to a bigger extreme. I think of loneliness. Um, like I said, if you go and you don't have friends for a year or two, I mean, that's such a hard thing. Or if you mm -hmm. um, even are going through and you have friends leave. Um, I know a lot of my Chinese friends, they left during times and then it's like, oh, I have to start over. And now in a second culture, like this is so difficult. Um, I'm a people person. And so, um, it was hard when a lot of my friends left during uh, COVID or different things like that. Um, but yeah, missionaries just go through, they have discouragement, depression, de even, um, besetting sins. Everyone has sins that they struggle with, but, um, who's going to help and ask them to pray for them or what they're going through. And so, yeah, even just start if, you know missionaries or can look at um, your church list and just start talking to missionaries and get to know them a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. I think that would be a huge start to just asking them how they're doing spiritually or how can I pray for you? Even um, are there any specific needs I can help you with? I think even just asking that question would mean the world to them because um, yeah, when you're there, you know, there are people on the other side of the world um, thinking about you, but, um, it just helps to verbalize that and get, you know, yes. reciprocation of an email or a message saying, I'm thinking about you. Yeah. So it means, um, so much that you're not just in another country alone. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I always think like if we had a few people visit, not many, um, at all, but a few people have visited and even mutual friends that we didn't know that stayed at our house. And it was just so helpful to have people visit. So if you ever get a chance to, um, save up money and take a trip to visit missionaries, I think I just highly suggest it because you get to immerse yourself in another culture and you get to see what they're going through, but also you get to learn, you get to experience so many things and, um, you kind of get out of your comfort zone, which I think is always a good thing mm-hmm. um, <laughs> for that. And so just go with the main focus of encouraging those missionaries. And, um, of course they'll take you to their favorite restaurants and show you all the tourist things. But, um, mm-hmm. for me, it was just, oh, they get to share in my life. And that meant so much. Yeah. And if you can send a box to a missionary, I think that means so much to them. Um, for me, mm-hmm. it required a lot of work just to send a box. You had to print the email, uh, the mailing address that I sent in English and Chinese and mail it to, um, and you have to uh, put it on all sides of the box and put it in the box. And it's really expensive. So it could be even a hundred dollars, um, to ship a box to China. Um, but really it meant so much that someone would think about that and collect things and put them in. And, um, yeah. So maybe even ask what they can't get there. Cause I know for us, we could get, um, like peanut butter, which a lot of missionaries can't. <laughs> so yeah, we're, no. we're blessed to have <laughs> Ship that. us all the peanut butter you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So ask specifically what they would like or what their kids would like. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think the last thing I would say to encourage missionaries too, um, coming from this side of things is when mm-hmm. they are traveling, if they come back to visit America or wherever they're from, um, they are probably going through a hard time not having a home or um, their kids probably, you know, jet lagged or maybe misbehaving or just everyone's tired, I'm mm-hmm. sure. So finding ways to encourage them while they're back and visiting. And I always really appreciated when people asked um, really good questions because it seemed like a lot of people didn't know what to say. And I think that's totally fine. I, It's great, you know, or it's okay that they didn't know what to say, but I'm um, just even asking, oh, so what's, what's different about China or what kind of food do you like in China? Or just simple questions, mm-hmm. just like we would meet someone else. Um, so don't be scared of <laughs> people that are serving overseas. I think it's great to get to know them. Yeah. Well, great. Well, this has been so helpful, really for me in many ways, being someone on the precipice of being an international you know, person serving Christ. And then really even just as a mom, really trying to give my kids a a biblical worldview, but also trying to broaden their scope beyond, you know, the four walls of our home, just to the reality that life is different and things are different, but there's little kids just like you all over the world that are growing up and that need Jesus. So it's neat to hear. And, And my kids love all of the little facts. Like you said, ask the good questions. That's my Eden. She's really good oh, at that. That's awesome. She wants to attach like a fact to a place that we learn about because that like triggers her memory. So when we're praying for so-and-so serving wherever, she's like, oh, that's where they eat this <laughs> or that's where this animal is. And it helps her like kind of connect those dots. We just got this big wall map that it, I mean, it's a map, but it's not like super cartoony, but a little bit. So it has like pictures all over it. You know, so there's like a chili pepper in Mexico mm-hmm. and stuff, but it's neat. They've been like associating things and China has a bowl of rice mm-hmm. and, you know, some of that stereotypical stuff, but it's been neat to see them kind of like pair that and just make some different connections of, of culture already. 
just as little ones. So I think this was good. I enjoyed you just kind of giving us like a broad overview of what it was like to be in a different place and then to readjust back to a culture that you grew up in, but had become different to you for being gone so long. And then just all the great prayer points of how to pray for people that are serving the Lord in whatever capacity overseas. It was very helpful. And I think it'll help us pray more intelligently and help us then teach our kids how to pray more intelligently. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I really enjoyed having you on. Thank you. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.